Hello and welcome to Coexisting. It's 2020 and due to the coronavirus making its way across the world, we find our towns and cities in lockdown in an effort to slow the pandemic. I'm Lara Lightbody, the producer of this show. Apart from the COVID headlines filling our screens, I was curious to hear how people were living day to day. So I asked the same eight questions to people in different countries to get a glimpse of their lives during their version of Shelter at Home. The questions I ask cover life right now as that person is living it. What day of shelter are you on? What are the rules in place? What is it like in the streets where you live? What practical advice has helped you at this time? What is your most memorable moment? And what would you say to someone who is feeling low today? It's part information, part human story archive, but mainly trying to get an uplifting bent on this insane situation we find ourselves in, and at the same time preserving these memories in audio. Memories that will, in a few short months, be forgotten. So, plug in those headphones or that speaker, grab a cup of tea or a glass of the good stuff and take a seat. This is Coexisting. My name is Israel Salihi. I am Iraqi Swedish. Both of my parents are Iraqi and I was born and raised in Sweden. I am an artist, a writer, an actor. And although I'm usually based in New York City because of the pandemic, I'm currently at home in Gothenburg, Sweden. Today is the 5th of August, 2020. It's just past four minutes past seven. Outside of my bedroom window, I can see a couple of trees, a couple of other apartment buildings a big green lawn. In the room, I can see more plants because my mom is a plant fanatic. There is a Bratz cover, bed cover from when I was a kid in the corner. Lots of high school graduation photos around of me and my sister. So I am sheltering with my mom and my sister, with my dad occasionally visiting from his apartment. There hasn't been a shelter ban in Sweden. There's been recommendations and things like that, but there are no real restrictions. I personally, though, have been very cautious. I have not been working or doing anything of that sort. So other than for the occasional commercial and commercial job that I've done since I've come back, I haven't gotten a steady job. So I would say it's been four months that I've been sort of self-quarantining in a way. Normally, I am an actor. <laughs> that is what I do most of the time. The actor industry has changed quite a bit right now. Our whole business is based on face-to-face -face interactions, on having an audience. So having to socially distance and not being able to do theater has been completely different. In the U.S., all off-Broadway and Broadway theaters are shut down until beginning of next year. So that is like a huge income source for a lot of people that is just gone for the rest of the year and possibly longer. When it comes to TV and film work, that has also been on a halt. Restrictions are now starting to open but it is still really competitive. And now that there's so much less work, it's even harder to get work because it's already a very overly saturated market in the US and take to that less opportunities, it's much, much harder. And I think for a lot of people, it's been sort of an eye-opening moment. A lot of people are considering second income sources or considering like from just my friend group, there's a lot of people who are thinking about potentially moving on and leaving their actor life behind. So it's a really difficult time for a lot of people. 
for my fellow artist friends who are Americans, they have been applying for unemployment. It's actually been very supportive for them. Most people are getting about $600 a week, which is what you would normally get if you were working like um, a low-level restaurant job or something like that. But that has all ended now because it's only for a certain period of time. So now a lot of people are freaking out because they can no longer get an unemployment, but the employment market isn't up yet. So people are just sort of scrambling and not really sure what they're going to do financially. So it is difficult. But as a lot of things work in America, it's really hard to get the help. Like I have friends who've been testifying to having called multiple times to get unemployment and having waited on the hour-long lines and still haven't gone their unemployment through. So there's a lot of the bureaucratical side of it that is taking a lot of time for many people. But for me, I came back home and I'm living with my mom and my sister in a really crammed apartment. So I don't have to pay rent. And that's how I've survived because if that wasn't the case, I mean, without unemployment and having to pay rent, I don't know what I would have done. So I'm glad to be able to come home. Most things are already open here. So coffee shops, restaurants are are functioning as per usual. So I could get a job doing that. I used to work as a barista for back home for a really long time. But I don't want to risk my parents who are in the, the risk zone. So the only jobs that I've done, I've been back for four months now and I've had five uh, commercial gigs. So I've been doing like commercial work where I can, where it's mostly, you know, just one day two days max that's set and then you get a certain amount of money that's like enough to cover you for what I would have gotten if I was working you know a coffee job in Sweden right now there are no rules other than that people remind you constantly to stay distant from each other to try to stay two meters but the way that the system is set up it's impossible to them most of the time and people most of the time ignore that rule public transportation is filled up with people you know beating down each other's necks. Restaurants are open as per usual. Coffee shops are in, in line. will say like, you know, stay, remember to stay distant from each other. But you can't most of the time. It's almost like, did I dream up this pandemic? Because in Sweden, people are just taking it so easy. Like it's not a major thing versus New York where it felt like the apocalypse was happening. It is Different depending on who you're addressing within the political landscape. I would say that the liberal, like what is like considered liberals in Sweden, it's not fully like an American system, but if you wanted to compare a little bit more to that, the liberals are actually, the parties are sort of more in power right now. They have are maintaining that they've made the right decision. On what is considered sort of more like the Republican side, they're putting heat on the government saying we did not do the right choice or we should have not that we didn't make the right choice but we should have taken more precautions Uh, my personal opinion I feel that we should have taken a lot of responsibility more responsibility than we have but I also do feel like it's really easy to blame everything on the people who are in power right now I think if the tables were reversed like if the more republican parties were in charge I I sincerely doubt that they would have done anything differently than the current political party. Last time I checked, there was 5,000 dead. That was our count, which if maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but if you compare it to the other Nordic countries where they've had like 500 dead, it is a huge increase. But also I would say financially, we have been in a better place than some of the other countries. And so I think like getting out of an economic crisis, we will have an easier time at doing that.
all I can do is, you know, protect myself. And it's unfortunate because my mom's in the risk zone and she's a teacher and she still has to go to school and teach every day. She's a kindergarten teacher. And I understand what's happening right now. And I, I can see why people want to keep it the way that they want. But I just wish that we would wear masks or take precautions, even if things have to be open, if that's the way it has to be, at least like wear a mask or don't go out drinking and partying. Like just, I think that there's the social responsibility of the individual is really loose here. I think the argumentation for why they did it this way was like they early on there was talk about herd immunity, that they were doing it this way so that there would be like some sort of herd immunity about what we're learning about the virus as time goes by, that it may not give you immunity for very long, even if you do have it. And to me, it's a very selfish thing to say, because then you have people who can't afford to get the disease and get through it. In the matter of two to three weeks, it felt like New York went from being like, oh, this is nothing, to apocalyptic mode. People were panicking. People were stock buying, like there wasn't any toilet paper left in the stores or groceries. Very quickly, the stores ran out of like Lysol or any antibacterial products. It was crazy, but it just all happened really fast. And um, I could feel that something was coming on. And for me, originally, the plan was to stay it out. Because like, well, if it ends in April or June, I can stay, that's fine. And my plan was to stay until at least end of April and give it a shot. And then that same day, later on, I had a phone call with my mom and I was like, hey, mom, you know, I'm going to stay until end of April, blah, blah. She's like, well, what are you talking about? It's not going to get better. This is just going to get worse and you have to get out now. And it was almost like I went completely from switching around from like wanting to stay it out to being like, I need to leave like tomorrow. What if they shut down the airport? I need to leave because they started shutting down the airports. And by the end of it, only JFK was open when I left. In like a matter of a week or two, we went from this is going to be totally fine to like, oh, I'm leaving this country and I don't know when I'll be able to come back. It felt definitely different because in New York, just like the smallest shifts you can feel, like I'll never forget the day after Trump won the election, like how the entire city, there was just sort of a weird energy in the entire city and people could feel like the loss that had happened or the injustice that had happened. New York is that weird, it's like a huge, so many people, but it becomes like a big being. So like the tiniest shifts, you can sense it. And I think in New York, yeah, you could definitely sense that it was different. Keeping in contact with my New York friends, they're like, it's crazy. Like the streets are, it's like completely empty. There's all these like great drone shots of New York that have submerged since the pandemic happened. And you like the busiest streets in New York, Times Square, empty. It's haunting to see that this way. And for me, like the most profound experience was I had to, um, I didn't have a mask or anything like that when I was going to fly back. And so I called my friend up, Bahar, and she was like, come to my house. I have an extra mask. I can give you some stuff. So the day that I was supposed to fly out, I walked to her house to pick up these things. So I would have something to protect myself on the flight over. She has a compromised immune system. So I knew that I would have to be really careful. We both would have to be really careful. And so I had a bag of goodies for her and she had this bag of goodies for me. And then it was so sad because I walked up to her apartment and she was like deep in within her apartment. I left 
my package on her door and I walked away and she came close to the door front and left her package. And there's, we both just started sobbing and we're looking at each other and like, it's so tough to have to say goodbye to a friend, not knowing when you're going to be able to come back and have this awful virus where you can't like even physically like say goodbye to someone. Summer and spring is usually like the best time in New York because the city's coming alive after winter and a you know, rugged fall. And it just was weird to have to say goodbye to the city in this sense. And if I would have known, like the weeks leading up to me leaving, and if I would have known I, that I was about to leave New York and I wouldn't know when I was going to come back, I would have taken a lot more time to appreciate my city. For my mom, it was just sort of snapping me back to reality because I think that as human beings, it's really hard to adjust to strange changes. All of us, to a certain extent, was pretty denial about it in the beginning. I don't think anyone could have predicted that it was going to have this much of a difference in our lives. And I think I was still in this like, oh, no, it's going to be good. It has to be good. It's going to be good. And then my mom was just like, you know, it's not going to be getting better. There's something wrong. And as soon as she said it, that's when I sort of snapped back into reality and I stopped kidding myself. And I'm so glad I got out because, yes, I mean, now it's difficult because I can't return. I'm waiting for Trump to lift his travel ban because even though I have a valid artist visa, he's banned all travel into the country, regardless of whether you have a visa or whether it's tourism, you can't come back unless you're a citizen or a green card holder. And I don't know when he's going to lift that ban. It's an indefinite ban. In Sweden, there's so much nature as well around us. Like every morning to keep sane, <laughs> I walk down to the harbor. It's about a 30-minute walk from my apartment. So I'll walk there and I'll walk back. And it's like the only thing I do. It's very socially distant. I don't have to deal with other people. But if I was living in New York, I would have to be stuck in my tiny room facing another wall, you know, it's so like, I think just mentally as well in New York, life isn't built for people to stay in their apartments. Like you have small apartments, life is lived outside. So I'm very glad in many levels, both financially and mental health wise, that I was able to get out and be with my family for this time. A lot of people have become much more vulnerable and honest with their emotions and feelings during this time. I feel like a lot of um, just looking over social media, seeing people express that they're lonely or that they need a helping hand, something I think which sometimes, you know, in our social media culture of like keeping up appearances, you don't often get. And I see that people's surfaces are cracking up a little bit more. For artists in general, I speak for myself, but also a lot of my actor friends, it's really easy to sort of get down on yourself and to want to always achieve at your highest level. You know, most actors are kind of workaholics. We're always looking for the next gig and working hard to create that. And I think it's been sort of a relief almost during this time, this feeling of like, nobody's doing nothing right now. Regardless of what people are posting, like, sure, you're doing this and that, but most people are, at least in the artistic industry, we can't do anything. We can't shoot. We can't do any of this stuff. And so the playing field has leveled. Even in terms of representation, a lot of great casting directors that are big casting directors that never would pay attention to actors that aren't necessarily celebrities or anything like that. But during this time, because all of a sudden people have this unprecedented amount of time, I find that people are like 
going over other people's reels much more. Like I send these regular email updates and now I've been getting responses to all of them. So it's just like people are like actually taking the time to get to know new talent. And a lot of great casting directors have actually created open calls during this time where just any actor can submit their reel or self-tape an audition or a monologue and they're taking the time to see it, which is not something that would normally happen. So I feel like the playing field has leveled a little bit. I mean, I've gone two agents out of this period. After three years of living and working in New York and trying to get representation, quarantine, all of a sudden it's a time where like everyone, <laughs> you know, is pulling out. So I don't know what's going on, if, but I'm grateful for it. I think that the most important thing for me has been creating a routine of some sort. I think especially if you are sort of an overachiever in personality or if you are someone who's a little bit of a workaholic, used to having some structure in your life, losing all of that, for me, it's helped having a morning routine. So the first thing I do in the morning is I get up, brush my teeth, put my clothes on, and I go for an hour walk. I walk to the harbor, I walk back, and then I start getting the day's work done. As an actor, there's always things you can do, like touch up your reel, touch up your website. So I have like a long list of things that I want to accomplish during this time. And so each day I pick a couple things I want to work on that day. And I do that the night before so that I just have like something that it can keep me structured and not feeling like I'm just in this hopeless pit of not knowing what's going to happen next. In New York, there's definitely commercials that have started shooting in, certain sets that are starting to shoot, but they're doing it with extreme measures. You have to do social distant. You have to have like a COVID test before you go on set, things like that. I see a lot more casting notices where they're trying to cast roommates or families together so that there's people who are living together. Like, yeah, instead of casting like a dad individually, you know, things like that. Doing Zoom theater too. That's something that I've been doing a lot during this period. It is just the worst. <laughs> I love connecting with my fellow artists. And I love working on something with people and keeping that alive. But it's just not the same when you only have this much space to deal with. And, you know, like laughter. When you're an artist and you can hear laughter. But in Zoom, everyone has to mute themselves for performances. So you can't hear people laugh at jokes anymore. Theater was not built to be a Zoom thing. It was built to be alive. The magic in theater lies in the fact that it's a live thing. We've been in this for five, four months at this point, right? And like how fragile our system is, that it took four months, five months to unravel all the stuff. And I wonder about New York, like what it's going to look like when I come back. Like, is it going to be a ghost town? Once this is over, we're probably never going to have a time again in our lives where we're so free. From school until now, all we've done is like be in school, go to work. Like we are used to always being constantly busy. This has been at most for people like a five, six months period, right? Which is like when you put it into perspective, not a lot of time. But there's been so much going on during this time that it feels like it's going to go on forever. And we're just in the dark part of it. Once we get past that, things will resume. Isra will one day be able to go back to the U.S. We will all get through this. One way or another, this will pass. That 
thank you for listening to Coexisting. It's Lara Lightbody, the producer of the show. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear the story unfold, here is where I need your help. Hit the subscribe button so Coexisting comes up automatically in your feed. Secondly, write a review and rate with stars, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And if there's anyone out there that you think would make a great guest, just get in touch. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn as Coexisting Podcast. That way, that many more people will find us.